Life Audio. Do you sometimes doubt if you're truly hearing God's voice or if it's really your own? Or have you been in a season where it feels like He's completely silent? Have you been praying for a way to learn how to hear His voice more clearly? Hey friends, I'm Rachel, host of the Hearing Jesus Podcast. If you are ready to grow in your faith and to confidently step into your identity in Christ, then join me as we dig deep into God's Word so you can learn to live out your faith in your everyday life. Hey friends, welcome back to the Hearing Jesus Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Grohl. Today we are finishing up our study of Matthew chapter 12, and we started yesterday talking about this idea of casting out demons and what that actually looks like. And while that's about some of the things that we're going to talk about today, we're actually going to focus on things like blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, the idea of what family actually was. So if you're just joining us, I would encourage you to go back a couple of days at least and start from the place of Matthew chapter 12 so you have a better understanding of what we're going through. And just a reminder, we have extra resources that help you if you want to process this and dive a little bit deeper. We have journaling prompts every day on our Patreon page as well as family discussion guides because we cover the same content on the kids show as well. So we are in Matthew chapter 12, starting at verse 30. It says, The one who is not with me is against me, and the one who does not gather with me scatters. Therefore I say to you, every sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven people, but blasphemy against the Spirit shall not be forgiven. And whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it shall not be forgiven him, either in this age or in the age to come. Either assume the tree to be good as well as its fruit good, or assume the tree to be bad as well as its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. You offspring of vipers, how can you, being evil, express any good things? For the mouth speaks from that which fills the heart. The good person brings out of his good treasure good things, and the evil person brings out of his evil treasure evil things. But I tell you that for every careless word that people speak, They will give an account of it on the day of judgment, for by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees said to him, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. But he answered and said to them, An evil and adulterous generation craves a sign, and so no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah the prophet. For just as Jonah was in the stomach of the sea monster for three days and three nights, so will the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights." The men of Nineveh will stand up with this generation at the judgment and will condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, something greater than Jonah is here. The queen of the south will rise up with this generation at the judgment and will condemn it because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, something greater than Solomon is here. Now, when the unclean spirit comes out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to my house from which I came, and when it comes, it finds it unoccupied, swept, and put in order. Then it goes and brings along with it seven other spirits more than the wicked itself, and they come in and live there, and the last condition of that person becomes worse than the first. That is the way it will be with this evil generation. While he was still speaking to the crowds, behold, his mother and brothers were standing outside seeking to speak to him. Someone said to him, look, your mother and your brothers are standing outside seeking to speak to you. 
But Jesus replied to the one who was telling him and said, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? And extending his hand toward his disciples, he said, Behold, my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of my father who is in heaven, he is my brother and sister and mother. So there's a lot in here, and I want to make sure that we cover some things that I think are heavy on a lot of people's hearts. And the first topic I want to touch on is this idea of the unpardonable sin. You know, if you are not part of our online Facebook group, I would encourage you to become a part of that. But one of the things that I always ask people when they're coming into the group is, what is your biggest struggle in your relationship with God? And part of my reasoning for that is, of course, to develop resources, but also to pray for people. And I cannot tell you how many times this comes up where people are saying, I'm afraid that I've committed the unpardonable sin. I don't really understand it. And I'm afraid that without even knowing it, I'm going to go to hell because I've committed this unpardonable sin. Well, what exactly is that? You know, the scripture says that the idea of blasphemy against the spirit will not be forgiven. What does that mean? Well, blasphemy against the spirit is defiant sin against God and God's laws. That's considered to be blasphemy, especially in the Old Testament. So there's been a lot of interpretation of that within the history of the church and what that idea of blasphemy against the spirit means. And so the way that the literary context is written is it's talking about the response of the Pharisees to Jesus. And that is how it will guide our understanding of what that phrase actually means. See, the Pharisees have looked at Jesus and they have looked at the acts that he's doing, the miracles and the casting out of demons, and they've attributed that to Satan. They've denied that Jesus acting as God works miracles by the power of God's spirit. And so they seem to have the best frame of understanding this blasphemy of, of against the spirit as this idea of seeing the work of God's spirit and not only attributing it to the enemy of God, that's a blasphemous act, but it's fundamentally shaping the trajectory of how the Pharisees are going to respond to Jesus throughout his ministry. So basically it sets them up for this constant rejection of who Jesus is. And so this idea of the and willfully and permanently rejects the identity of Christ. And so what does that practically mean? Well, I think if you are listening to the Hearing Jesus podcast and you are coming into the Christian Women's Daily Bible Study Group and you are sincerely seeking to grow in your faith, then you probably are not guilty of committing the unpardonable sin. See, the unpardonable sin, it's kind of a catch-22 because, of course, Jesus is going to forgive us of our sins, but we have to get to the place where we want forgiveness. The, the unpardonable sin is not recognizing that Jesus is Lord, not recognizing that Jesus can forgive those sins. And so for people that permanently, and here's the clue, permanently reject Christ, that is the unpardonable sin because he's not going to force himself on anybody. Jesus gives us free will. And so while, yes, he longs for you to come to the Father through him, he's not going to force himself. And so that unpardonable sin, meaning it cannot be pardoned, it cannot be forgiven, is the sin of not coming to Jesus in the first place. So I just want to give you this sense of understanding, because if you are coming to Jesus, you're not at that place. And it's not unforgivable. All the other stuff that we do, of course, there's a lot of it. Those things are all forgivable. The only thing that's not forgivable is not coming to him in the first place. 
And then what does Jesus call the Pharisees? He says, you brood of vipers. And this isn't the first time we've seen Jesus refer to the Pharisees this way. He uses that same title as a harsh title that John used for the Pharisees and the Sadducees. That brood of vipers, we talked about this before, it's a proverbial saying that talks about the subtle approach and attack. And it was originally done that way with the serpent in Genesis chapter 3, where a viper would be sneaky and then attack. And then in verse 36, he talks about our words. And I just want to bring attention to this. Let me just read it again for you, because I think it's powerful. And sometimes it's something that we overlook. Jesus says, but I tell you that for every careless word that people speak, they will give an account of it on the day of judgment. You know, I think a lot of people think that, okay, well, I'm a Christian. I've come to faith in Jesus. I don't have to be accountable for my words because God forgives. And while, yes, God forgives, we still have to give an account for our words. Every empty word we have spoken, every harsh word we have spoken. And so what Matthew does is he's routinely emphasizing the importance of what it means to be faithful, what it means to have righteousness that starts from the inside. And so what Matthew's doing is making it clear that there is this aspect of acting faithfully that includes the words that people speak. And I think that's so interesting because a lot of Christians don't hold to that. They will, you know, confess Christ in their hearts, but their mouths are terrible. And here we are seeing Jesus say, you are going to be held accountable for the words that you say. And not just the words that you say, but I truly believe the heart behind the words that you're saying as well. And then down in verse 38, they ask for a sign. And I think that that is not uncommon. There are a lot of people today that will just say, you know what? I, I don't know that I believe in Jesus. If he's real, I want him to give me a sign. Well, the honest to goodness truth is he already has. He rose from the dead. And, you know, while there are certain signs that we may see in today's day and age, like the sign of praying in tongues or, or supernatural healing or any of the other kinds of signs within the charismatic gifts, you know, within that circle of influence, there, there, that idea of signs and wonders, yes, that can be proof of God's activity. But the absence of signs and wonders does not mean that God is not active and working. And I think that's where we get messed up. And often the signs and the wonders are more to help non-believers come to faith in Christ. I'll tell you, there have been times where I've been serving on the mission field and we were in, you know, perhaps a Muslim area where there were no Christians around. And it, yes, we had declared the gospel, we had shared the gospel message, but it wasn't until somebody got supernaturally healed that there was a move of God's spirit and all of these Muslims came to faith in Christ. And it's not so much that Jesus doesn't do that, but here he's saying, you don't need that. I am the sign. And even when he refers to Jonah, Jonah was not necessarily the things he was doing was not necessarily the sign. The act of him going and being obedient, that was the sign. And you know, the people in that time frame would have had a really good understanding of Jonah because Jonah is the sign. He's not a bringer of signs. He is the sign because initially Jonah was disobedient and it was through his act of disobedience that God got hold of his heart and changed his course. And then he showed up in Nineveh and he then at that point was obedient to God's word. And so what happened with Jonah? Well, we know he was in the belly of a whale for three days and the whale spit him out on the shore of Nineveh. And Nineveh's repentance 
would have robbed Israel somewhat of the wrong way because of the way that the people of Nineveh were essentially responsible for the destruction of the northern kingdom of Israel. And they had epitomized this idea of wickedness. And so when the the community of Nineveh repented, there were some people in Israel that were just like, we don't we don't even necessarily want them to repent. We we want them to be punished. There was this division there almost where it rubbed them the wrong way. But he's using Nineveh as this example of Jonah supernaturally ended up in Nineveh despite his best efforts. And then with that obedience, once he was there and he recognized what God was doing, God used that. And so this reference to to signs is, is basically just saying, you don't need a sign. Jonah was a sign. I am a sign. This resurrection power that Jesus reveals after he dies and he resurrects, that's the sign. Now, does it mean that he doesn't ever use signs? Of course not. He does. And I still believe in the active use of the signs. But when we demand a sign, that's where we can kind of get off kilter. And then I want to jump down to this other place that I think sometimes is misquoted or misunderstood. It says his mother and brother stood outside wanting to speak to him. And we know most scholars believe that the omission of the father means that Joseph has probably already died by this this point. And we don't really know why his family was out there and wished to speak to him. But Jesus responds and he says, here are my mother and my brothers. And some people think that that's a really harsh statement where he is neglecting his actual family. But basically what Jesus is doing is he's talking to the disciples about this idea of family loyalty and a separation that will occur between family members because of the decision to make a commitment to Jesus. And it's not that Jesus came to abolish family. That's not what he's saying. But he's, you know, we see him continue to uphold the law that demands that children honor their father and mother. But what he's doing here is he's stressing the importance of someone's commitment to him and the kingdom of heaven above all other commitments. And there's a new spiritual family that is formed within the disciples of Jesus. And when he says, whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother, he's intentionally broadening this gender reference to include women as disciples when he says sister, which I I love that aspect. And so that is probably shocking for the religious leaders at the time to hear that, or probably even the people at the time, because within Judaism, especially among the rabbis, the only people that could be discipled by a rabbi and study the Torah were male. So Jesus is not only just expanding this idea of what a spiritual family looks like, he's also giving validity to this idea of female disciple. Many of the Jewish rabbis at the time would have interpreted the law of honoring the father and mother as the most important law. And so this idea of family relationships in the ancient world was so embedded in their culture that the suggestion that there could be a spiritual family that is expanded and sometimes even more important than the biological family, that would have been shocking for them to hear. And so what Jesus is doing is, again, helping them understand this idea of kingdom loyalty, allegiance to Jesus as the primary relationship in their lives. So given that insight, I'm going to go back and reread, starting at verse 30. The one who is not with me is against me, and the one who does not gather with me scatters. Therefore, I say to you, every sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven people, but blasphemy against the Spirit shall not be forgiven. And whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it shall not be forgiven him, either in this age or in the age to come. 
Either assume the tree to be good as well as its fruit good, or assume the tree to be bad as well as its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. You offspring of vipers, how can you, being evil, express any good things? For the mouth speaks from that which fills the heart. The good person brings out of his good treasure good things, and the evil person brings out of his evil treasure evil things. But I tell you that for every careless word that people speak, they will give an account of it on the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees said to him, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. But he answered and said to them, An evil and adulterous generation craves a sign, and so no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah the prophet. For just as Jonah was in the stomach of the sea monster for three days and three nights, so will the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. The men of Nineveh will stand up with this generation at the judgment and will condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, something greater than Jonah is here. The queen in the south will rise up with this generation at the judgment and will condemn it because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, something greater than Solomon is here. Now, when the unclean spirit comes out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds it unoccupied, swept and put in order. Then it goes and brings along with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself. And they come in and live there. And the last condition of that person becomes worse than the first. That is the way it will also be with this evil generation. While he was still speaking to the crowds, behold, his mother and brothers were standing outside, seeking to speak to him. Someone said to him, Look, your mother and your brothers are standing outside, seeking to speak to you. But Jesus replied to the one who was telling him and said, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? And extending his hand toward his disciples, he said, Behold, my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father who is in heaven, he is my brother and sister and mother. God, we thank you for just the knowledge of realizing that you give us free will to decide to be for you or against you. And that most of us likely, if we're listening to this podcast or praying this prayer, we are seeking to learn more about who you are and your word and the way you reveal yourself to us in your word. So Lord, I just pray for freedom for anybody that might be holding on to this idea of an unpardonable sin with any kind of fear that the enemy may have given them fear over the insecurity that they would have eternally because of that. Lord, I just ask for freedom in that area for my friends. And Lord God, help us also to understand this idea of family within the context of the church and the faith community and what it means to be brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, we we thank you that you include women in the idea of being a female disciple. And not that it means that we are to let go of our biological family, but for us to realize that we have a spiritual family as well. Can I pray for those that may be feeling alone in their family, that they would recognize that they have brothers and sisters in Christ, that you have designed us for community and relationship with each other. Lord, I pray for my friends today that you would bless them and you would keep them. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, friends, we'll talk tomorrow. Hey, friends, as we lean into a new month and we continue to learn and grow together, there's a couple resources I want to make sure you know about so you can take advantage of. The first is our Patreon page, and the link for that is in the show notes. And on the Patreon page, we have a couple things. We have a dedicated space that is for discussion, for asking questions. You get easy access to me where we talk about things. We hold each other accountable. There are resources that go with the show, like a journaling prompt 
worksheet download for every single adult show. We also have family discussion guides. And what's really been neat about those is that on the kids show every day, I talk about the same content that's on the adult show, just taught in a way that kids can understand. Then the family discussion guides create an environment for you to process that information with your children. You can use that at the dinner table or even as part of your devotional routine. There's some suggested prayer and activities and things to help you connect that content to the appropriate age for your children. So all of that is on the Patreon. Also, there's some prophetic words, extra videos, transcripts, all those kinds of things. The second is on our website. If you go to shehears.org, there's a shop resources page that has my Bible studies that I've written, links to different journaling Bibles, note-taking Bibles, all sorts of resources to help you grow. And then also on our website, we have the coaching section. If you are finding that you need some spiritual direction or life coaching, that is available for you as well. And that's really good to help you process what you're learning. If you're feeling stuck, if you need to work through something, if something just isn't sitting right, or if you want to teach this content and you need to help develop a plan, I'm available to help you do that as well. Again, all of these are resources to help you grow in your spiritual life and hear God's voice more clearly. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you will find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Hey friends, if this podcast helped encourage, empower, or equip you in your walk with God, I would love it if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. That's the number one way you can support my show. You can also join our free Facebook community or Instagram page where I share inspirational tips, bonus content, resources, and prayer throughout the week. Hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you. Know that you are so loved. Keep going.